Hi, this is Corey McRae, the senator for the 45th Legislative District, and you're listening to the Condoy Street Podcast, my go-to source for the latest news and insight on state and local government in Maryland. Hello and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Michael Sanderson. Michael, we are recording live from the Mako offices. Well into session now. How are you feeling? It's nice to be back, honestly. Um, we're going to have later today, we're going to have the Mako Legislative Committee back in our meeting room at our building. It's the first time in close to four years doing that. So um, I don't know. It feels feels nice to be back in, in, you know, in the studios, in the big complex, right. you know, in big, yeah. the special sound room and so mm-hmm. forth. Plus, we got a, a good episode for today. We do. Today, we have a very special guest with us and a very, very interesting issue to talk about with her, one that got a packed room at our last conference and is going to get a lot of attention in this legislative session. So with us today to talk about data centers in Maryland, we welcome Frederick County Executive Jessica Fitzwater. Welcome, Madam County Executive. Thank you so much, guys. I'm really happy to be here and uh, here with Mako and here to talk about a critical issue. Well, that's why we're here. Our listeners are have turned out to be nerds on policy and politics and into this kind of stuff. And when we smell a tricky issue that sort of, you know, ends up with tension of one area versus another and the stuff that's complicated, right? We already did the easy stuff. It's the complicated stuff that's not yet worked out. And this just it lands right in the bullseye for that. So I think this is a really good co- content. Um, Kevin teed this up a little bit, but can you... Start us off a little bit. Um, you're you're in your first term as county executive. Tell us a little bit how you became county executive in Frederick County. You're the second county executive to serve in Frederick County. Um, how'd you? How'd the? What was your path getting to there? And tell us a little bit about that. Well, from from a fellow nerd, I'm glad to know that I'm in good company uh, with your listeners. But yeah, so I am actually born and raised in Washington County, but I've lived in Maryland my entire life and been in Frederick for almost 20 years. And I'm an educator. So my background is uh, uh, over 17 years as a public school music teacher. And I really came to paying attention to local government and politics because of being an advocate for our students Mm -hmm. and for our schools. And I learned very quickly that being a teacher is a high highly politicized profession and that everything about our our jobs and our schools are just those decisions are made by elected officials whether you're talking to your local school board you know it's state mm-hmm. and the federal government so i started showing up at budget hearings and giving public comment, getting on the bus down to Annapolis and um, really recognize that local government is, we say all the time where rubber meets the road, but it's where those decisions really impact our working families and impact our students and um, opportunities for them in their own communities. And so I decided to step up and run for the county council in 2014. Very honored to serve two terms and then ran for county executive to make sure that we could keep moving things forward for Frederick County. So I, I can't help but get a quick question in as as a native of Washington County. Oh, yes, yes. Washington. Washington. So that, that's what I was going to ask about. Washington. Um, actually, it was, it was Washington County night in Annapolis last night, and I was at their event and saw some of the county commissioners and their delegation and a bunch of business leaders and so forth, and I noticed 
the R is extremely present for it's attached to your native Washington County background. So you might have excised it a little bit. Maybe that's part of the migration to Frederick County. But like back, you know, back home, is it still oh, Washington? I would say it's still prevalent. I have very strong memories of my fifth grade teacher in at Old Forge Elementary School having the definitely having the hard R. I'll say my Maryland O is strong for sure because I hear it and I get called out on it. Um, but I guess the the, the Washington part. Uh, bypass me a little bit. <laughs> so it's like if you're up there for a few days, it, it easily comes back. <laughs> right, right, right. I get that. So so County Executive, Frederick County is very interesting in a lot of ways. One of them is that it has been a very high growth county for the last 20 years or so. And that means you get to face all these challenges of growth management and infrastructure funding. You're still in all those areas, right? Absolutely. Uh, we are the fastest growing county in the state of Maryland. And while we're seeing some other counties actually declining in population, we are growing and we're growing in all the ways. So our student enrollment is by far growing faster than any other county. Over the past five years, we grew at by almost 10%, the closest county behind that being Carroll County at just about 2.5%. So you can really see that we're an outlier there. Our senior population is also growing much faster than the state average. So that shows us that we have a lot of opportunities but of course some challenges to make sure that we're really meeting the needs of everyone. The good news is we are completely up for the challenge. Mm -hmm. We have incredible relationships with our all of our 12 municipalities, but we also just have this special sauce in Frederick County of the people there. We, we have a thriving nonprofit sector, really great small businesses, um, a lot of phil philanthropy organizations, and we have really strong relationships and everybody really does come together wanting to find solutions, wanting to be creative. Um, to think about how we can make life better for people. And it, for me, I think government's role is where do we need to step up mm -hmm. and do more and where do we need to get out of the way? When do we need to be the convener? Um, and that is something that, you know, we've explored in a lot of ways through my transition team process, through trying to build stakeholder groups when we're talking about issues like agritourism or when we're talking about issues like data centers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look, I mean, Frederick, you have such a rural component, but then you have all this growth, right? And that's got to be like part and parcel, that's one of the biggest challenges is managing that. You have people over here who say one thing, and then you have people over here kind of driving innovation, wanting to bring things into the future. That's That's got to be a challenge, especially for a county executive, trying to make it all work and trying to make sure that everybody's happy. It is definitely a challenge, but it's one that I truly enjoy because, mm -hmm. look, we often get caught in these conversations where things are really black and white, or you're either you care about the environment or you just want to build everywhere. Right. And mm -hmm. Reality doesn't look like that, mm -hmm. and folks that have been doing this work for a long time know that. And so I think it's critically important that we try to change the tone of these conversations and, and bring people together to find common ground and really grow in a smart way. So when we say smart growth, it's not just a catchphrase, but that we're really thinking about what does that mean for our mm -hmm. communities. We are really leading the way in planning in Frederick County. I mean, we've had Secretary Jake Day out to tour some of what we're trying to do for mm -hmm. redevelopment. Um, and it's really, really exciting. Because we're the largest landmass county in the state of Maryland, we actually have the opportunity to do this right. We are preserving um, our farmland at record rates. We have the strongest forest resource ordinance in the state. But we also have the opportunity to grow in and around our municipalities and our more urban areas to put residential and commercial growth where it belongs and not touch the land that we know that we need to preserve for our for our future. Amen to that. And that's that's what we're all about. And so 
While we are interested in you in the county, we think our listeners will really be interested to hear about data centers. Again, this is something that's gotten a lot of attention. These are sexy, they're high-tech facilities that serves as arms of the internet uh, or the big media companies and so forth. And, you know, they... They, they need server and storage capacity. They need a lot of it, right? And they need that somewhere. And Frederick County has entered into this fray already. And boy, there's a lot to this story. How does it start? How did you get into this? You know, how did this all come to be? And then we can sort of walk through that and then how we got to where we are now. Sure. Well, we are creating data as we speak with this podcast. Yes. And, and <laughs> yeah. everybody who's listening on their cell phones or on their computers, you know, we are, this isn't going away. We are constantly creating data. The demand is is really just going to continue to grow exponentially with what's happening in our AI and what we're going to see, you know, moving at such an exponential rate. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around. And that has been one of the challenges when you think about the um, how quickly this industry is changing. You know, we've talked a lot of times in Frederick County about how in some areas we're really ahead of the curve. We already have legislation on the books for critical digital infrastructure so that there are regulations there right now before this industry really has a strong foothold in our in our community. That has not been the case across the country. In fact, as we've been doing research on best practices, it's really hard to find that out there mm-hmm. because there's just been a lot of like either just open doors and here they come or figuring it out as you go along. Um, but because the industry is moving so quickly, it's hard to also not feel like you're, you are behind. Mm-hmm. Um, our commitment in Frederick County with putting together this data center work group that has been working since the summer was really to say, look, we can lead and we can be an example of how you can do this right. We can look at what the community benefits are to having this industry in your community, but still protect the quality of life, protect the environment mm-hmm. and that public health, safety and welfare that we are charged to protect in, in local government. Mm-hmm. So we are, you know, we've brought together an incredibly diverse group of stakeholders, folks from the from the industry, from the who are coming at it from an environmental background, farmers, labor, really looking at this from all sides, bringing in guest speakers, going Going on field trips down to Northern Virginia, you know, hearing from our um, fire and rescue folks about challenges there, talking to our folks in energy and environment, um, really looking at this from all sides so that when this work group wraps up, we have strong recommendations on what do we need to do to strengthen our current regulations? Where are we going to allow these in Frederick County? And also, where are we not going to right. allow them? And what kind of community benefits do we expect from this industry if if things are going to continue to grow? So that's what I feel like our obligation is. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done to bring people together and say, look, we're data centers are here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do this. Let's do this right. And let's really have a robust conversation about it. I guess the first step there, though, is recognizing that this kind of opportunity, the landing of a data center that's going to have a footprint in the county is different in a number of ways than just another corporate occupant. It's different than just a warehouse or a small manufacturer or a grocery store, right? I mean, we're, we're good at, at planning and zoning around ordinary development, but every once in a while, technology changes the game and frequently public policy needs to catch up with that. And that seems to be exactly what's happening here. So, like, let's let's set the stage a little bit about what a data center looks and feels like. We're not talking about, like, an empty warehouse with a bunch of, you know, blade servers and that's it. Like, nobody works there. These come with jobs. There's a bunch of infrastructure that comes with it, too. So, so like, help paint that picture a little bit for our listeners. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, the economic impacts are really huge. And we are talking about a lot of jobs and good paying jobs. Right. It's not just the construction jobs, um, the maintenance jobs, the operational jobs, right? Some remote, but also a lot on the campus. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about what's happening with Quantum Frederick and the location of Quantum Loophole, that um, the data center campus that's, that is um, currently being worked on, is its location. So it's on a site, the former site of the East Alcoa plant, which is really uh, one of the, was one of the kind of dirtiest industries. There's, it's, there's brownfields. There's been a lot of, um, it's an interesting history right. on the property. Mm -hmm. But because it's one of the largest tracts of this type of industrial zone land, really on the East Coast, it allows for this large um, master plan data center campus, but still to have the things that are needed to make sure that there are buffers, that there's active ag land around it, that it that we're right, thinking right. about things like the impacts of noise and, and um, the impacts on the landscape. There are a lot of things that make this location something that, that actually helps us as we're looking at those regulations and thinking about the uh, the adjoining properties and what it what it will add to that part of the county. So we're very sensitive to that. And I think that um, compared to where we have seen some of these go in other jurisdictions, mm -hmm. um, it's a good start. But we have to be very thoughtful about as the, the industry grows, where we are, as I said, are or are not going to allow these to, to go. Right. And so, I mean, up to this point, it's a story of trying to attract businesses, but it, we, we all do that. But data is different, right? All those servers and stations need a nice, cool environment. So that means a lot of fans, a lot of power water. and water. Right. And they need a very reliable power supply, too, right? You can't have a data center go down for six hours, right? That, that can't happen. And it seems like, I mean, you mentioned Northern Virginia earlier, and we know there's a big presence there. And I think part of this is Frederick County can, I mean, they can literally tap into the Northern Virginia sector, right? So that's why I think Frederick County is attractive. You've already mentioned the site and what you're doing there and trying to make sure that you're doing everything right environmentally and that people around the site uh, feel comfortable and there are buffers. Um, I mean, this issue now becomes backup generators, right? I mean, we talked about all the power you need, the water, but now we're getting into an issue of backup generators and there seems to be, uh, you know, the Public Service Commission at the state level has their opinions on what that would mean and whether or not you'd have to go through a whole licensing round and, and get a CPCN. We'll talk about that. But that's the issue at this point is the backup generators. Right? You've talked about the site. You've talked about doing everything the right way. Now this just comes down to equipment. Is that what the issue is right now? Well, that's certainly the issue that the state is looking at. And we have seen um, Governor Moore's bill on this issue that we know dropped just a couple of days ago. Um, and it has been very interesting because a lot of the conversation, even locally, has been about energy production, energy consumption. And the counties don't regulate that. Right. And, right. and sometimes people don't want to hear that. It sounds like we're deflecting, right. but it's there are so many layers to this. And we've been very focused on what is the, our county's role and making sure we're being responsible. But there are all these other pieces that are regulated in other ways. So based on the bill, looking at looking at backup generation as kind of a separate category or an exempted category. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't just affect data centers. This affects, you know, hospitals, right. emergency oh, right. operations. Yeah, I mean, anything that have that kind of mission um, central kind of operations that really have to be 24 seven. Um, and we're also talking about emergency backup. So it's not right. something that is running constantly. You're talking about maybe, you know, testing it out several times a year. And then in the case of an emergency and, you know, if the 
if if at a data center there's truly an outage that's big enough to take that out, we're probably gonna we're probably dealing with a lot of right. other right. <laughs> other right. things right. Um, uh, also. So you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, as this bill moves through um, moves through committee and moves through the session this year. Um, but that is that's been a piece that isn't something that the county has. You know, again, not our role to right. regulate. So, but definitely a, an interesting piece of the puzzle and, and of the conversation. So, I guess I, I, I read through the the findings from the state's public service commissions. So that's the body that oversees power companies and electric grids and so forth. So, at, you're right to say that the state basically owns policy over energy in ways that local governments don't. Even the siting of major facilities mm-hmm. is really a state decision. There's reasons for that. It goes back decades and decades mostly about the, the notion that there might you might not be able to find a community who would want to have a big oil-burning power plant, but if no community would say yes through their local zoning, you could end up with a grid with insufficient energy. Mm-hmm. So the state said, we'll be the ones who cite the nuclear power plant or the next big thing, right? Mm-hmm. But we've been seeing this. I mean, this has been, this has been a subtext on the siting of big solar facilities for some time. And now we're seeing the same application, in part because I guess there are two ways to look at this. But if you have a campus of tech-related facilities that each needs a backup generator, it's going to run on diesel, which is kind of a dirty energy in some regards. And that's the only thing available right now, right? right. Like there's no other option yeah, other there, than diesel. There's no diesel, way to do this right. with a solar panel or right. with a battery and so forth today. Maybe, right. you know, maybe 5, 15 years, who knows? But for the moment, the only viable way to have the backup energy is through diesel. And if you say, well, our campus is going to have 18 buildings or whatever the number is, the the State Public Service Commission feels like the letter of the law tells them, we need to stitch together each of those generators, consider it one unit, and we have to treat it at its capacity, not its intended use. So if you start saying, well, there's multiple separate generators, this isn't just one house or one hospital, but all these different buildings, they need air conditioning, they need access to water and a permit for that, but then they need approval for all this energy. They're looking at this like it's a giant power plant that's going to run all day long. And I I don't think it's because they hate the idea of data you know, data infrastructure coming to Maryland, they're just reading the letter of the law that says this is a big facility, it's our call, and this probably doesn't pass our test. And what I think is interesting, yeah. too, though, I think once this all boiled over, you started to realize, hey, hospitals have this issue, too. And so universities may have this issue. It's not just data centers. So I think there's already stuff out there that you could say we need to stitch all that together and create this new process for it. But, you know, it's not just the data centers. And I think that was an important point of all of this is like this stuff already exists. These are backups. They're not running all the time. Like you said, Michael, it's different um, from your traditional energy generation stuff. So I think, I mean, I think you guys are doing it the right way, obviously. And now it comes down to a bill in the General Assembly uh, to sort of tell the PSC to stand down on this one. And really, I think the data center industry will tell you that unless this gets worked out, they're not going to do business in Maryland. And they've already invested a lot in Frederick. Obviously, the county has a lot on the line and you've put in a lot of work. So is that what you're hearing essentially? Like this is now the entire state could be in jeopardy if we can't fix this problem because we know there are other states these folks can go to. Yeah, I mean, what we are hearing, and I think the governor certainly has heard it because of this making this a, a priority, is that the and I and well, let me say one mm-hmm. thing. I don't fault the PSC, and I think you are mm-hmm. right. I mm-hmm. think it is they are interpreting what is on the books the right. way that they are charged to do. Mm-hmm. But it is 
we do, you know, treating backup generation the same as something that is is constantly right, right. operating. It, you know, it is something that is worth exploring, sure. and I, um, it's certainly something that is impacting the industry and their ability to to uh, move forward here. Right. So, I mean, it's an impasse now, and maybe there is a solution on the way. You mentioned that the governor has just weighed in with a bill designed to resolve this controversy. It's Senate Bill 474. I have not really dug into that bill yet, but that puts this whole issue right before the General Assembly to try and thread the needle here, right? And I think threading the needle means don't give up the environmental stewardship, but find a way to say yes to this narrowly, right? Treat this as what it is and not something that runs all day. Um, and it fits with the governor's, it's Maryland's time message, right? We want to be innovative. We want to be in the tech business. And so I think, you know, maybe we need to move sideways and then move ahead. So we figure this out, but move forward. But it does certainly fit in with what the governor has said he wants to do. And I think, you know, they realized right away that this was a problem and they needed to weigh in and they needed to work with the PSC to resolve this because also this is a lot of revenue, right, for Maryland and for Frederick County. Like this is real tax revenue. These are real jobs, good paying jobs. This is something we don't want to to push out of our state, I don't think. I will just say so two things one on the on the second piece that you just mentioned the revenue for the state absolutely and that's why we saw the state do what they did with the tax credit right. and so I think that's why this also plays in is thinking about you know what is the message that we are sending um and making sure that you know, the right and the left hand are talking to each other as we're trying to, you know, attract different industries here. But specifically in Frederick County, we actually, as part of our data center work group, um, had Municap do just an independent assessment just based on our current property tax rate, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of status quo um, that we could expect over $37 million in property tax revenue once the current, just the current quantum loophole site is built out. You know, we have looked at, talked a lot about Northern Virginia. Um, there are definitely lessons learned and learned and directions we don't want to head right. based on some of the decisions they've made. But they're, they have more than 50%, and I wish I had the exact number, of their um, revenue coming from com their commercial base. In Frederick County, ours is actually has declined. It's about 22% mm. of our of our property tax revenue coming from commercial versus residential. So the services that people expect, the the growth coming, you know, being more on the backs of the residents versus the commercial and the opportunities to and within this industry and really beyond when the other industries that we're attracting to Frederick County, building up that commercial base is really important, I think, for any yeah. local. Um, so that's definitely a piece of it uh, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, and developing your commercial tax base can sound like a numbers game to some degree. Like, oh, you know, this is the, the, this would generate dollars that we can use to invest in these various places, and that's true. But that's that's like the surface layer of a story, which means you have a successful, thriving business in your community that brings good workers, well-paid people with education, that brings kids to the schools, that bring, these are people who are gonna wanna get a haircut and they're gonna wanna buy a sandwich and they're gonna be part of the local economy and part of the local culture and all that is to the good. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it as a matter of numbers, but it's also as a matter of back to where we started. This is a this is a county that's trying to have a sensible plan to grow and you, you don't want the growth to be entirely residential and not the framework for it. It can't be all commercial or all industrial without the framework for it. You want to have that balance. I mean, I, I think back to my childhood playing Sim City and clicking <laughs> buttons and all these sort of, but seriously, like, Roller coaster tycoon. Well, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's like you get to play the real game at the real level, um, but it's managing all those sorts of things in, in, in a reasonable way. And this isn't 
this isn't a company saying we want to we want to bring these good jobs to your jurisdiction, but we want to dump battery acid yeah. in your stream and and terrify your environment. This isn't that at all. Um, and it's it's back to that question of the 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 generator that's going to be used like once a quarter for a test, you know, for right. for an hour and a half, and then whatever, fifteen hours when there's one bad storm, and that's its entire use for the year. And right now, our regulators don't have a lane to treat things that way. Right. Um, what, I mean, you'd like to think that this legislation or something like it can create that lane where you can stay. Sure, on the grand scale, we got to be worried about environmental effects, but for backup sort of stuff, let's look at them in a reasonable context, not in 24, seven, 365, right? right? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I mean, it's not just the data center in those jobs, but we know when you have a giant campus like that, that's going to attract other jobs that are sort of ancillary to the data For centers, sure. right? Yeah. So it, it really is an economic development issue. But also I have to say, I mean, look, you understand the pressures with the blueprint and we're looking at transportation cuts, right? The county is, you're trying to raise revenue to pay for all these things, to pay for progressive ideas, to fund the blueprint, to make sure that you can backfill any transportation cuts that are potentially on the table. So really we need the flexibility to yeah. do that. Yeah. This is the right way to do it. You're working with all the right people. These people are gonna come in. It sounds like they wanna partner with the county. They don't wanna be bad actors. They wanna do it the right way. So to me, like this is exactly what counties should be doing and we need the ability and the flexibility to do that again so that we can do all the things that we wanna do to make this the most attractive place to live, work and play, Maryland as a whole, right? That's the team we're on, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really do think it gets back to what we talked about really at the beginning of, you know, trying to trying to step away from that kind of uh, black and white conversation when you're talking about whatever it is, I whether it's that. growth, yeah. mm -hmm. whether it's, um, you know, attracting a new industry, whether it's just, uh, it, you know, anything with transportation, with schools, we, we just kind of dig our heels in sometimes. And if you just pause and listen and, and have the conversation, and, and that was really the goal with this work group is to say, like, you don't, it doesn't have to be this, like, stop, we don't ever want you here, or, oh my God, here they come and we're just our community is going to be ruined it you can take a pause you can have the conversations and i really do believe that there that we will get to a place where we can leverage the benefits that this industry will bring some of the things that you just talked about and still preserve frederick county's quality of life our the environment that uh, and our, our agricultural preservation and all the things that we we really hold dearly in frederick county so that's our goal um and we're you know and and it really does impact not just our community but the entire state with some of the the things before um, you know, the the, gen the general assembly this mm -hmm. session. Uh, that's a perfect capsule on on this issue and where it fits in in your goal as a leader in the county a, a county with all these growth pressures. So I think that wraps up really well. I want to say one more thing out of context because I I didn't know this before you mentioned it earlier in this conversation. But if the site for this main project that's underway in Frederick is itself a brownfield right, site. Right. I mean, That's this, a big is, deal. this yeah. is turning a negative mm -hmm. into a positive. Mm -hmm. For our listeners who aren't familiar with this whole this whole lexicon of environmental law, a brownfields area is basically a designated area that's had some sort of contamination or difficulty. And in a lot of cases, you are just out of options for how can you turn that back into a productive area? I mean, think of places like like mountains that have been strip mined right. in West Virginia and Ohio and places like that. You look at that, like there's nothing you can build there. The soil is bad. You couldn't build a school. You couldn't put a park, other things like that. Like we're trying to find good productive uses for brownfields areas in downtown and in rural areas. 
the idea of saying, hey, this is a little bit secluded and it's a little way and with some buffers and ag around it, we could turn it into productive technology with good jobs. Holy cow, that's like that's turning a bunt into a home run. So not I don't want that to be lost in this conversation that this is this is actually taking one of the weak spots in your land plan and saying this could become now a showcase instead of a basket case. Love it. Showcase instead of a basket case. I might have to steal that, Michael. I will say Frederick County has a reputation for thinking this way, though. Mm -hmm. We actually have a, a huge solar array on our landfill that um, has been there for a few years now. It powers our electric buses, of which we have, right. I think... We were uh, leading the counties on that. I'm not sure if we still are, um, and some of our buildings as well. So we are always looking for ways to, you know, take lemons and make lemonade, if you right. will. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, it is a really important point because the state wants to incentivize, like, like get back to solar. Like, we'd rather put solar, these giant arrays, on brownfields, grayfields, rooftops, rather than like prime and productive soils, right? So this is the same thing on a much bigger yeah. scale, yeah, yeah. right? And so I think I think that is a really important point to highlight. This is a a brownfield site. It's not, it can't be used for anything else. This is the perfect use. Like, again, I think we're checking all the boxes here as I talk yeah. through this with you, right? It, it makes total sense to me. I'm glad the administration sees that and is going to weigh in on this. We'll see what happens. But hopefully we can get a smart compromise here so we can move this forward and end the story on a positive note. So you'll be in Annapolis. I'm sure this bill is going to be up for a public hearing. We'll have lots of stakeholders show up. I'm sure the environmental community will have their say, and that might there might be some caution flags along the way, and sometimes these turn into work groups and so forth. But I want everyone in Annapolis to hear about the Frederick County experience. Yes. You brought all these stakeholders together. You said, we're going to do this the smart way and the right way. And like you lead with your strong case. And I love that, that is, that's going to help set up this debate in the right way. So thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. I thought it was great for our listeners. But honestly, like this is just interesting policy, and we dig that. Glad I could uh, fill your nerd bucket this yes, morning, yes. Michael. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. This is an ongoing theme of like you know technology and government tr struggling to catch up with regulations. Right? Technology moves fast, especially in this industry. But we will leave it there for today. Again, thank you, Madam County Executive. This was a great conversation, and it does tell the story. Um, as always, for our listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. That way, all of these episodes will be sent directly to the device of your choice. You can also follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and then, of course, you should read the Conduit Street blog. But for County Executive Jessica Fitzwater and Michael Sanderson, this is Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon.